Where is he, Chad? He's got to be somewhere. Where's the big guy? Oh, yeah, baby. I'm right here. I'm right here. This is Speaking of Sports, folks. We're back. We're back hot. We're hot, baby. It's uh, Speaking of Sports. I'm Ray Scipione, along with Chad the Wiz Grimley, Chuck the Godfather Grimley, and we got Frankie Manichino, former <laughs> major up, league brother? player, hey. former batting instructor. Happy belated Father's Day, Frank. Great to have you on board. Uh, gee, Ray, it feels like we've done this uh, before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> for for the listening audience, we had a little bit of a tough start today where Chuck screwed the board up not once, not twice, but three times. Trifecta. Frank, good having you on board, buddy. You have a good Father's Day? Yeah, I had a good time yesterday. I was picking on my dad a lot yesterday since it's Father's Day. And, uh... We were getting on him a little bit, giving him some stuff. and It was a good day. We had a barbecue in the backyard. It was nice. Perfect weather, right? Yeah, it was awesome. All right, so before we get started, some, some baseball stuff. Give us a little insight what it was like with Oakland, Dykstra, different things that happened. Did you guys go out? Did you like to go to dinner? Did you spend a lot of money? How did you handle the check? You know, that kind of crazy stuff. Did it happen in Oakland? I have to it was it was it was a lot of fun, man. I mean, we we were like a family. You know, we'd go out twelve to sixteen guys, especially after you know flying flying to a city first night in. We'd all go out to a steak dinner, and you know everybody's there eating and drinking whatever they want. And when the time for the check to come, you know, you're looking at a forty five hundred dollar wow. bill. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> wow, how are we gonna split this up? And then all of a sudden. They say, all right, everybody get their credit cards out and you got to put your credit cards in the hat. Like and then the last three cards in there have to pay for the check. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a rough one. <laughs> so it's pretty funny because the first time I was I did it, I put my gas card in there. I had an Amico gas card and I threw that in the hat, <laughs> hoping that I wouldn't get picked. And <laughs> sure enough, I was one of the last three that got picked. <laughs> Gas card, Sunoco. Well, <laughs> did they, Frankie, did they run your gas card? No, she came back and said, "Who's Frank Minichino?" And I raised my hand. I was like, "Me." She's like, "This is a gas card." <laughs> and, and, and I got hammered by the guys. They were like, "Are you kidding me? You got to be shitting me!" And and back then, so, with the salary structure, you had to be making like a hundred grand or something like that. You were making a lot of money. Yeah, right? That was the minimum. I, I was prorated for a month of September, right. so you know. It wasn't that much. You got paid by the day. Yeah. And um, it was it was it was a good experience, you know, thinking, hey, this is how things are done up here. But it's not done like that everywhere. So we right. had a special. Would the uh, we were in Oakland. Would some of the star players be out with you too? I mean, was it the younger guys, or would you get a mix of veterans with you going out? Oh, we had you know all the starting players. We had the Latin guys. We'd have Giambi, Chavez, Mulder, Izzy. You know, there, there was a lot of us there, and it was it was just you know one of the best family like situations when it comes to baseball because wow. you know the good teams have good chemistry. When you have good chemistry, and you know you love each other, and and you're with each other, and there was no lines to cross in Oakland. There was no lines to cross. We could say what we want, how we wanted, the way we wanted, during the game, after the game. We would argue, fight, you know, whatever. But when it came down to playing, you played for your teammates. You weren't playing for yourself. You played for your teammates. You were playing for wins. And that's what made it special in Oakland because 
you know, in 2001, we were 3-13, and 3-15, and, and we still won 104 games, 102 games, whatever it was, because we played for each other. It didn't, it didn't matter about, you know, self-stats. It didn't matter about what you were hitting. It was like every day we showed up to win. Is that how these low-budget teams win, Frank? Just I think I love each other more. I think nowadays, I think the low budget teams win and they got guys because they're old. The guys now are like searching for contracts. You look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they got one one or two big contracts. Everybody else is looking to get paid. So they're out there busting their butt, you yeah. know. And when you're an underdog team like that and you're not expected to do nothing, all of a sudden you go out there with, hey, we got nothing to lose except to try to make money. And now you got teams, you know, with the low with the low salaries and the, and and the low team salaries, and they're out there beating up everybody because hey, it's human nature. If I got two hundred and eighty million and I'm old for twenty, it's like ah, right, no big deal. I'll, I'll get ready. I'll get ready. It's not, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And it's human nature. Like if you, you know, you're making twenty million dollars. I think in my, I don't know what it's like, but I just think it's hey, you know what? No sense of urgency. I'll be all right. And it doesn't always work that way. Speaking of um, contracts, what type of contract do you think Shohei Otani will get at the end of this year? Great question. You know what? It's going to be $50 million a year probably. So it'll, it'll set the baseball record. I think $50 million a year would be the highest of all time. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm not giving one guy all that money unless I am one hitter or one pitcher away from winning the World Series. If I look over my team and I say, I need one good hitter and I need one good starter, you know, because nothing's guaranteed. And, you know, with the way the injuries are and the way, you know, I don't know. I, I'd rather spend that $50 million on three or four players. Yeah, Frank, tell me if this is fair. When you look at Otani, and now you got three years to look at, and they posted today on MLB, his slug is at the top four uh, the last three, so he's prolific now in terms of power. And then you look at pitching, his winning percentage, top five uh, last three years. So you can start to make an argument that this guy is elite pitcher. And we weren't always saying that he was good. Now, elite hitter, we weren't, weren't always saying that. We said he was very good. If he's elite in both, and there's some people that say he should pick one or the other, uh, Shouldn't he almost get compensated for each contribution and then add them up, which would make him like a $40 million player for being a great pitcher, $40 million player for being a great hitter, and that's $80 million, but they're never going to pay that. But isn't he kind of like the kid that has his birthday before Christmas where he's not going to get fair compensation because he's – That's what I did. My birthday is January 7th, and Christmas was, you know – a week, two weeks before. But here's the deal. Yeah. Here's the deal. When you get Shohei Otani, your other five starters are now going on six days rest, which they're not used to. So are you going to institute Otani into this? And now it's like, okay, now we have a six-man rotation, guys, or we're going to pitch every six days because of Otani. Now Otani's got this huge, big bank account and he's making $50 million a year, is he going to perform the same way? And right. that's what we'll never know because that's why it'll never change. You get paid for what you did, not what you're going to do going forward. That's, that's the way right. I believe it. That's right. I mean, Frank, you are getting uh, – we're in a territory that 
other than Babe Ruth, we don't know. You are getting, and I agree with you, I'd rather get four or five players. But playing devil's advocate, if I say, Frankie, I'm going to give you the greatest, the best pitcher in Major League Baseball right now and the best hitter, power hitter in, in baseball right now, he just happens to be the same guy. It's, you know, it's kind of worth $25 million for each half. Oh, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But here's the thing. How many, you know, where's he going to, he's going to sell tickets. You know, they're going to do that. The contract's going to be insured. Okay, that's great. But if you don't win a World Series, you're screwed. Yeah. In my opinion, for spending all that money on one guy. If you don't win a World Series within the next, within the five years of that contract, then you're 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 looking at a lot of a, a lot of scrutiny for why'd you sign him? He ain't worth it. Blah blah blah. You know, it's so easy. I mean, all these big contracts that are out there, how many of them won him a World Series? So maybe that doesn't matter. I mean, Stevie Cohen spent all that money with the Mets, and look oh. at them. <laughs> My God. So so I mean, it, it, you're buying it, you're buying players. But are you making money? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know all the numbers, but they, I know they're making money. Maybe, maybe it doesn't cost them fifty million because they're going to make twenty five million off of the guy. Your knee jerk. Where do you see him landing, Frank? Just your knee jerk reaction to where Otani lands. Oh, I agree, Chuck. But what? How frustrating! I mean, we're frustrated as Phillies fans. How is it that you have the Mickey Mantle of our generation, and you have the Babe Ruth of our generation? And you can't win, like Frankie said. They're not winning. They haven't won a World Series, you know. Pitching and defense yeah. win championships. Yeah. There yeah. Was, there is Frank said defense. Everybody, people that talk about the Phillies and don't listen about the defense, you know, when they're 28th in baseball defensively, people say, oh, well, they're hitting down, they're pitching. Still can't catch the ball. They've been better the last seven games. Look who they play. Frank, are you a student in the game? Do you watch baseball a lot on TV? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what uh, have you seen this new kid for Cincinnati? What's his name, Dela Cruz? Oh man, how about him? Whoa, yeah, man. he looks like a beast. Holy Toledo, speed, power, arm. I mean, holy! Now they've won seven straight. How about the job uh, Gabe's doing out in San Francisco? They look pitiful for the first forty games, and uh, just swept the Dodgers and seven straight wins. And I don't know. I mean, we, we we didn't respect Gabe much in Philadelphia, but he's doing something right out there, huh? How do we know it's Gabe? Yeah, how do we doing know it's Gabe? It. Yeah, how do we know? You're right. How do we know it's Gabe exactly? <laughs> you know, they put a lot of they put a lot of pressure and a lot of you know, you get a lot of stuff on the coaches. You know, you know, all the coach, the hitting coach ain't doing this, the hitting coach ain't doing that, or the pitching coach thinks we got to. Hey, listen, the players have to play. Yep. The players have to deal with the pressure. The players have to be trained and developed in the minor leagues to deal with pressure. But if you're in the minor leagues and you're putting up numbers and they're just, you're not earning your, your, your bump up to double A, you're not earning your bump up to triple A. Now you get to the big leagues and you're not doing your job and you got the media in your face. Are these guys prepared for the pressure when it comes to the big leagues? Now it's about winning, mm-hmm. right? You got to develop in, in the minor leagues. Winning pressure. You got to make guys earn it. You can't just push them up there because, hey, we signed him for three million, and he's a first round pick. We have to. He has to make the big league. Let's push him across. And then they're this big prospect all the way through, and now they get up to the big leagues, 
And it's like, what happened? How, how the co- fire coaches get fired. We call them players, coach killers. No matter what happens, the coaches are going to get blamed. They're going to get shipped out. And Only people think you. that anybody can coach in the major leagues. You can't, not anybody could go up there and do it. You can't just say, do this. Hey, oh yeah, just do this. That don't work. No, Frank, you were, you were a player in the major leagues, your seven year career. Um, you, you were an assistant coach in the major leagues. Can, can assistant coaches make, uh, back when you played, could you make a decent living? Back when I played? I mean, I'm sorry, back when you were assistant coach, hitting instructor. Yeah, I mean, assistants make anywhere from, you know, 120 to 150. You know, that's like the average. Really? You know, the, the average hitting coach, head hitting coach, the average of all 30 teams is probably 250. Okay. Kevin Long makes nine hundred. Oh God. Yeah. So you really? got guys that you know, you know he's won two World Series with the Yankees and the Nationals, and you know he's got Boris as his agent, so I guess he gets paid more. <laughs> wow. But you know you have your outliers, and then you have you know guys that first of all the hitting coach, and you could ask anybody, the hitting coach has the hardest job in the major leagues, the most time spent the most scouting, the most uh, preparing preparing these guys for the game, preparing their mental status, preparing them not to be a pussy, preparing them to kick it in more. I mean, there's so much that goes on. in the cage, you know, the cage is like a church. You hear all the complaints. You hear all the freaking bitching and moaning and this and that. And, you know, people go there to hang out and, you know, they come in and they hang out. And everybody wants to know what's going on in the cage. Well, you ain't coming in my cage. My cage is locked. It's a sanctuary for the players. <laughs> Nobody's allowed in the cage. That's cool. Hey, Frank, can we come and film? No, absolutely not. Not only that, I might get fired for the stuff you hear me say. So no one's coming in the cage. They don't that. realize the time-consuming it is for hitting coach. Hitting coach should make the league minimum. The hitting coach, if you got 26-man guy and you're paying that guy 750 to sit on the bench and he gets 80 at-bats a year, I should be making what he's making. Absolutely. Well, that's not the case because everybody thinks, you know, coaches can be, you know, coaches can be, you know, they're, they're replaceable. You know, They, we, we they don't know somebody. the mental, like you said, Frankie, they don't know the mental yes. state of what goes into hitting. I, I mean, you could pitch to that, you could pitch them to your arm falls off. If their head ain't on right, you know. Yep. You know. So, Frank. Yeah, you got to be able to motivate these guys. You got to be able to talk them off the ledge. You got to be able to, you know, put out fires and, you know, and you use you use the manager to your advantage and the manager uses you to his advantage because, you know, you're, you're, you give the manager the pulse of the team. Hey, I don't think we should take BP tomorrow. These guys are tired. Right, right. That's They're cutting down their work. Let's just give them a reward. No BP tomorrow. Take the day off. We'll just show up and, and play. How often would you have to remind hitters during BP to use all the field? You know, you, you have to have a very keen eye because you have to kind of dimensionalize or, or separate the swing as it's taking place, you know, to check the hips, the hands, the weight, the load. All that happens in a millisecond, and you're trying to break it apart, right? Well, here's the th- here's the thing. You're with these guys from spring training, and I'm very perceptive, and I watch a guy. And when you're working with the guy in the cage, and you're doing the drills, you're doing the front toss, you're doing the, the you're feeding the machine, 
you're you're feeding the ball on the tee. You watch these guys every day, and as soon as something changes, it's like ding, 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 whoa, 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 whoa what's that? Right. You know, and guys will come in all the time, and they'll you know they'll start changing stuff. They'll be like, hey, why are you doing this? Oh, I didn't know I was doing that. Well, what are you thinking about? What are you? you know? And then all of a sudden, you start weeding out what they're thinking and what they're trying to do, and the, you know they just go off on their own, which is human nature. It really is. I mean, if, if I keep doing this, I got to change something. But sometimes it's the depth of the baseball. Sometimes it's the effort of the swing. And, you know, you have to be on top of that. So if you're a hitting coach that just stands outside the cage and you have a guy, your assistant's doing the flipping and all that, you're not going to be in tune with that hitter. So there's guys that are that, Frankie? Oh, yeah. There's coaches that don't, don't go in the cage. They just sit there and watch and, you know, talk and do this and do that. But when I'm doing flips, and let's just say, okay, we'll work in middle away, and I'm doing flips, and I'm throwing three in a row, middle away, and I see the hitter is just starting to get ready just to hit. He's not separating. And then I throw one inside, and he swings at it, and I can, I can manipulate it, throw one in and say, what are we doing? I thought we were working middle away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, don't get in the swing mode. That's the worst thing you could do. Right. Always get ready to see the ball. You got to always get ready to see it in that lane. So if you're not doing the work and you're not sitting there, manipulating and and holding guys accountable to where they're looking, then you're not doing the right job. Do do all hitters read the ball out of the hand for pitch type, spin, etc.? I mean... You have to. You have to. You you couldn't hit without it. Right. No. Some guys make it to the big leagues and and they'll say they're slider blind. You know, some guys can only hit off-speed pitches and they can't catch up with the fastball. So they guess. They sit and they guess those hitters, right? Yeah, I mean, they just, you know, they're just ready to hit and just, you know, they don't see the spin. Some of them don't, and they're slider blind. Right. Or if you're working out front too much, you're going to miss a ton of off-speed pitches. That's why you got to be able to control the depth of the baseball. Right. you got to be able to use the whole field, and in order to do that, you got to play the ball out front, middle, and back and take the same short swing. You can't guide it over there. And a lot of misconception is, is I'm going to hit the ball to right field. Okay, I'm going to push it over there. I'm not going to drive it over there. You know, I got a man on third less than two. Everyone harps about that situation. Yeah. A man right. on third less than two outs. Right. You know, guys try to lift, and they trick it up. They hit a top ground ball, or they pop it up to the infield. Or they don't. No, let's get something we could drive. Let's right. drive the ball. Then nothing changes because you got the situation. You know, and if you're worried about a ground ball, you're going to hit a ground ball. If you're worried about pop up, you're going to freaking pop up. If you're worried about striking out, you're going to strike out. So you can't worry about none of that. What you can control is getting a good pitch. Okay, you just got a slider down and away, bastard pitch, strike one. You just got a fastball sinker down and in on the bastard. It's, it's, it's your 0-2. Two pitches that you did not want to, nor should you offer to put in play. Now you're 0-2. Now you got to battle and do whatever you can to put the put the ball in play. But if it's first and third, one out, I'd rather you strike out looking or strike out swinging than to decelerate, put a ball in play, and hit a double play. Right, sure. right, 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 yeah. Frank, if you That's if you were uh, if if you had a, a a young player out of high school, top tier player, um and he's a top five round kid. What what are you telling a kid? And and he could go to SEC college for you know for, for three years to play baseball. 
What are you telling a, a 17-year-old kid? Is he a pitcher or a position player? Position player. I'm going to ask him right off the bat, are you ready to play pro ball? Are you ready to dive into this game as a business? Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to be – it's not fun no more. It's business. You're in high school, and it depends his physical shape. You know, is, is, he, a, is he a beast? Is he a, you know, right. a man amongst boys in high school? Or is he, you know, 5'10", 160 pounds that's going to grow into 5'10", 190, or 5'10", 200, you know? The right. physicality has a lot to do with it. There's a lot of different schools to this. Some guys are like, it's, it's better to develop into, you know, get into pro ball early and develop and learn. Well, it depends who drafts you and how they develop players. Mm-hmm. You know, do they teach you right off the bat the way the Yankees did. They teach you how to do everything right, right off the bat. Angles on ground balls, angles on fly balls, situations. They teach you the big league way right away. Mm-hmm. So, they're developing, and you're going to have your errors. You're going to do it wrong. I mean, you're going to do it right physically, but you're not going to have because it's changing what you do. So you're not going to have the results right away. But if you stick to the process, by the time you're twenty, you know, twenty years old, you're you're taking all the right angles. Derek Jeter, fifty-three errors, but he did everything right. Knew how to charge the ball. Knew, you know, a lot of his errors were throwing errors, or you know, you rush. You know, the, that's one of the biggest things, especially defensively. You rush because the game speed's picking up. You know, you got guys running down the line faster than you've ever seen before in your life. So now your game clock has to speed up. But if you do it and you go with the mentality of, I'm going to catch it and I'm going to make an accurate throw. If he's safe, he's safe. If he's out, he's out. And nine out of ten times, they're out because they can't outrun the ball. Should Jeter since you bring his name up and his defensive uh, numbers are just atrocious, should Jeter have been a second baseman? No. No. Explain. Because he He's was- a great shortstop. Jeter was a great shortstop. You know, when, when he played, you know, he had a savvy like Cal Ripken. He was always, he knew, he had a nose for the ball. He would move himself, he would be in there, and he was a very smart player. And if he caught it, you were out in the big leagues. If he caught it, you were out. Now, he would, you know, throw a lot of balls sometimes in the dirt or, you know, make some not-so-perfect throws. But, hell, he had Tino Martinez over there, and even Giambi could pick the shit out of it. So he had good first basemen that could, you know, clean up that stuff, as well as Chavez and Tejada did in Oakland. Those guys would make throws because they got to so many balls. They would make so many off, off balance throws, short hops or balls, you know, up the line, down the line, and Giambi would pick them up all the time. Everybody thought Jason wasn't a good defensive yeah. first baseman because he couldn't throw that well because he was so damn big, but he could pick it. Bud, what does Jeter look like on paper? On paper. Defensively, it doesn't show. It shows you know, a lot of negative metrics, a lot what, of negative runs saved. What does DRS? I mean, R taught DRS, then it's like negative, close to negative 200, stuff 200. like that. So, Frank, he's a negative 200. What a, the way, man? Wait, 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 wait. Here we go. We're Take those right. metrics. Here we go. What did Larry Boa tell you guys about the defensive? You ever talked to Boa about how they talk about the defensive metrics? Boa's a weak Every oh, good oh, infield yes. instructor will take that stuff, crumple it up, and said, This is bullshit. Because they don't account for where the guy's moving, 
the guys here. You know, if you had to put every shortstop, they had a, uh, a painted dot out there, and you say, okay, everybody has to play right here. Right, right. Then maybe we could measure stuff. But when you got guys moving left to right in between every pitch, they're moving and they're shifting themselves. You know, a lot of guys don't get credit for their range because they're like, oh, he's got no range. Well, it's not our fault that he moved over five feet and played right where the guy was hitting it. Because I'm going to tell you what, I was a defense instructor with the Yankees for three years. And I used to put guys in the spot. And they couldn't believe how good I was at putting in a spot. I said, guys, if anybody wants to make a web gem, just let me know. I'll move you three feet out of the way so you can die. Just let me know if you want to make a web gem. <laughs> you know, and they start cracking up laughing because, right. you know, they didn't have to venture far to catch the ball because of where you're positioning them against each other because you're, you, you go to the pitching coach and ask them, how are you pitching these three guys? So as an infield guy, you go to the pitching coach, how are we pitching these guys? Okay, I'll set up my, my spray chart for that. I'm not setting up my spray chart from what this guy does from his last 300 at bats against seven other teams. I'm not doing that. I'm going to, how are we pitching them and how are we going to attack this guy? And that's what bone did. Perry Hill did in Miami. He kept a book on all his own pitchers and how they pitch these guys. So the metric guys would come down and say, Hey, you need to play this guy over here. And what are you talking about? Jose Fernandez is pitching. He's going to throw him here. This guy's going to pop up to left field. If we if, if we keep pitching him away, from Freddie Freeman popped up to left field seven times in a row against us in Miami. I was dumbfounded. Just keep throwing him up and away. He's going to pop it up to left. It was unbelievable. Yeah. All right. We won't belabor the point with Jeter, but his career numbers, not a small sample size where he didn't shift right, but his career numbers – reflect the shortstop that did not have great range and had problems with, he had a lot of errors compared to his other shortstops. I mean, it's a long career and that range factor, which I'm not going to get too technical, but I am talking to a major league coach, you know, RF nine and stuff like that. DRS it's kept on everybody. It just happens to have Ozzy Smith. Number one, Cal Ripken, number two. So there's, it's very accurate and it's got Jeter buried amongst lifetime shortstops. Uh, Rain. So you're telling yeah. me, yes. you're telling me with, with your naked eye, yeah. Cal yeah. Ripken had more range than Derek Jeter? Yeah. Yeah. That Cal Ripken had more range than Omar Vizquel? No. No, not Vizquel. No. Okay. No. no. Where's not. Jimmy Rollins? He's not near the top of that group, but guess what? Fielding percentage wise, he's in the top seven at all time. Yeah. Yeah, but so listen, if you watch Jeter play every day, would you say I don't want him at short? You know, to be fair with you, I didn't watch him every day, so maybe I would feel differently. I'm, but I'll say this, and and you know, Ray Chad and I, we're not just analytic nerds. A lot of people say, "Oh, you're just analytics." No, we all became yeah. baseball people first. We all played baseball. We've all watched baseball, coached baseball. And then analytics came about 10 years ago, became a big deal. And yes, now we do dive in. But there is a report card at the end of the career, and his report card defensively is woeful. It's a D minus. He may have been better than that, and there may be an explanation for it, Frank, respectfully. But if you just read the report card, he doesn't grade anywhere near a top 50 defensive shortstop. 
Uh, well, but, my, what I'm saying is, is the metrics they're using is flawed. That's what I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Should yeah. A-Rod have been it short in front of him, Frankie? No. Okay. No, A-Rod couldn't freaking handle the fast yeah, field was, in Texas. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah. yeah no, okay. Yeah. As he was, and you know what? There isn't a player alive in my generation that wouldn't want Derek Jeter is short, Alex Rodriguez is short, Cal Ripken is short. There, there isn't a player that would say, we don't want this guy there. Well, he was a leader too, Frank. And, no. You know, he was. He, he no, was I'm just talking about defensive wise. Okay. Never mind anything else. Just, I mean, I'm what you know. I'm growing up. I'm. I mean, who the hell would not want Omar Vizquel at shortstop? How about this, David Eckstein? What about his career? That man never dove in the hole and threw the first. That man barely ever backhanded. He got in front of everything at, at shortstop. It was almost laughable how every play at first base was because he didn't have a great arm. But the dude went out there every day. Little David Eckstein went out there every day, made every routine play, and that's all they care about is make the routine play. Anything you do with rangy stuff is a bonus. That's not how the metric shit works now. It's, it, it's unbelievable. You get credit for sprint speed and this and that and that. The probability of making that play. Bullshit. You, you can't quantify that. You can't quantify. You can't. You're going to say, you know, I mean, they would send out the all-star bounce and they would send out the, the defensive metrics. Larry Boa ripped it up right in front of me. Perry Hill crumbled it up and said, fuck, I'm not doing this. And we're sitting there going, they really have this guy better than this guy? I mean, we see a lot of players all year long making the plays and all you see on TV is the web jams and, oh, he ranged 29 miles an hour to do this. Oh, look at his route. Yeah. Look at the route he took. I, I would say this in closing, and I'm not, not to be argumentative, but his RF9, that's just basically his range for nine innings, RF9. And that's just measured by chances. That's all it is, was right. uh, career-wise uh, a 404. Boa was five. So Boa got the one more chance per game in his career than Jeter did, and Jeter had a negative 240 defensive run saved. Boa was plus 60. Oh, that's a big difference. So, and Ozzie Smith got the 900 chances, and Jeter got the 700. So all of that rolls down the hill like thunder. Make of it what you will. But we've, we've killed right. it. We want to play a game to close. We got a game. Now we that we got, got, got you riled up. Yeah, now Frank. we got you riled up. By the way, no holds barred, <laughs> no language barrier on this game. It's Frank Rips. Play it like it is. Here's the simple rule. We're going to read uh, 10 word associations, and we want your knee-jerk reaction. Five-second rule, so you don't have to think about this. Even if it's a tough, balanced question, answer, you just shoot from the hip. All right, so that's a shoot from the hip kind of proposition. And the 11th one is a kind of a teaser bonus question because we have something coming back at you on that one. So I'm going to read okay. the category. And just like salt, pepper, you know, uh, food, Chuck, uh, you just tell us what pops into your mind within five seconds. Ready to rock, buddy? Yep. Here we go. Don't fight this guy. Don't fight this guy? Yeah, Major League Baseball. Oh, a player? Yeah. Kyle Farnsworth. Wow. Wow. Okay. Didn't expect that one. No. Oh, you don't want to fight that guy. 
<laughs> I don't know who he is. Kyle who? He was the, the pitcher. Farnsworth for the Cubs. Oh, he was okay. The yeah. Yeah. Big guy. All right. You ready, Frank? Right. Next one? Yeah. Can't hit this guy. In other words, would you consider to be the toughest pitcher you saw or faced? I couldn't. Bartolo Colon. Bartolo Colon. Okay. I couldn't hit the freaking. I couldn't hit the freaking um, two seam in that ran back. Okay, interesting. Fastest runner ever. Again, that you, uh, witnessed, that you saw fastest speed. Ichiro. Interesting. I had to play halfway in the. I had to play closer than double play depth. Got it. Nastiest pitcher. Pedro. Pedro. All right. Funniest player. David Justice. David Justice. Really? Wow. Yeah. All right. The next one's right up your alley, bud. Most impressive BP. Most impressive BP. That's a tough one. I mean, oh man, I don't. Oh, you said you said uh, Stanton. That's Stanton. what I was going to. You said that for, a couple weeks ago. I was waiting. For, I was waiting for Stanton there. Best. Yeah. Best steakhouse. All cities everywhere. Come on, guys. I mean, oof. Well, we thought you may have a favorite. You know, Paul Morton's. Capital Grill. All right. <laughs> so you do. So I better skip Italian. That was the next one. But, all right. Best GM, in your opinion. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to go with Billy Bean. Okay. That's what I would Makes think. sense. How about this? And this is a tough one, too. You may pass on this. Biggest underachiever. The guy you thought just had a lot more talent and skill than production. Vernon Wells. All right. Wow. Center field for the Blue Jays when I played there. Best outfield you ever saw collectively. Best outfield. There's a re- uh, there's a reason we ask you this. The best outfield I've ever seen. It'll make it easy. Offensive. Just just offensive production. I don't know. How about know. how about your outfield of Ozuna, Stanton, and Yelich? Nine twenty four. Oh yeah, they all had they, right? they all had OPS, OPS. really high OPS. Yeah. OPS. All three of them combined for nine twenty. And we didn't research it, but you can't think of too many outfields, you know, modern era that are nine twenty yeah. OPS OPS outfield. And uh that that's it. Now lastly, rule changes. What do you like? What don't you like? Uh, rule changes. I hate the bigger bags. I hate not being able to take out the catcher in the second baseman. Um, the pitch clock, I don't mind. I wish it was five seconds a little longer with nobody on. The 20 seconds with a man on is good. But I like the fact that it cuts down the rain delay players that want to sit there and do all that bullshit. So the game clock, I don't mind. Um, and that's it, really. How about the extra inning rule? Oh, the shifts. Yeah. The shifts, shifts, not being able to shift. I mean, to me, you're, 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 you're taking away Major League Baseball. Now it's just pro ball. It's not Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, the rules were fine. There was nothing ruled. But like I, get, I said, it comes from development. If you're not developing players and you're rushing them, then you've got to change the rules so they can perform. To me, that's chicken shit. How about this? How about- when you take your 22 final numbers – and you take your 23, we're, you know, we're almost halfway there. So you look, you know, last year, of course, we had to shift and other things. This year, we don't. Here we go. 
Batting average, 248, 244. On base, 320. Uh, last year, 312. Uh, this year, 409 slug. Last year, 400. Let, uh, this year, OPS, 729. Last year, 706. Almost run production, everything. Uh, identical game. Everybody thought when you took away the shifts, we're going to have this kind of very noticeable offensive you know, run production increase. Didn't happen, which is interesting because you thought the shifts were really hurting baseball run production, you know? Well, I've had a couple of hitting coaches tell me this year, hey, Frank, too bad you got fired because the ball's juiced again this year. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so now we're using three different baseballs like, like they did last year, and they were they were um, still you know determining where and what kind of ball and what humidifiers need to be where. Really? So really? we don't hear about the balls. We don't hear why. Because the players aren't bitching that the ball ain't flying, right? You don't hear any players this year saying, oh, that, that should have been a homer or right. this and that. You don't hear none of them complaining. But last year, Donaldson probably had 10 balls that he crushed that should have been homers. They made a video about Donaldson, all the, yep, the outs Netflix. that he thought were homers. And my team, you know, last year, the White Sox, there was 12 to 15 balls. I'm like, that's gone. Caught it to track. Then I come to find out that we have just as much humidity in our humid doors is Colorado because we're close to the water and they said it's really humid. So about that? there's so many things, so yeah. many things. Hey, I, last, last question. And I'll let Chad and, and, and Ray, of course, is there a lot of talk that goes on between uh, the batter and the on deck uh, guy? I mean, fans don't notice that stuff. We got so-and-so leading off the game. So-and-so's batting second, but is it there kind of a, culture that goes on between the two of them in terms of what duties or obligations the, the batter has and, and how that's uh, perceived and viewed by the on-deck Well, hitters. you know what? It, it's not just the one and two. It's throughout the whole order. Right. You know, guys get guys, you know, argue sometimes with each other and they come to me and they want me to fix it and they're like, hey, you know, so-and-so keeps swinging at the first pitch and then I got to take a pitch. I'll talk to him. Ask him about his game plan. Have him let you know if he's looking to hit the first pitch, if he's looking to do this so you can get ready on deck. If you're just walking out there and picking up the donut and take one swing and he's already swinging and you didn't know, that's shame on you. What do you want me to do? You want me to monitor everybody? No, I'm the hitting coach, but you guys are playing. Now, I could talk to everybody inclusively and say, hey, here's how we approach an at-bat. Here's when we need to work the pitcher. Here's when we need to possibly make this guy – you know, throw some pitches. I said, but what good is it if Louis Roberts swinging at the first pitch and I got Jose Abreu behind him taking a first pitch cock chop because they don't want to make two outs on two on two pitches. So the rule of thumb is here, fellas. If you're going to swing at that first pitch, you better barrel it. Right. You better crush it. <laughs> That's pretty cool stuff. Frank, my, my <laughs> last question here for you is looking at the Tampa Bay Rays right now, they're 31 and 7 at home, which is an 816 winning percentage. That would be the best all time if they finish the season at that clip. How do you, is that just coincidence? Is it just the fact that they're a good team and just playing good at home? Or is there anything deeper to that? Because they're, they're a couple games over 500 on the road and they're over 20 games over 500 at home. It's just a really big anomaly. And I wanted to get your thoughts and it's on not that. Not crowd size. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting 
think that it's pretty interesting to see some of the stuff that they're doing. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I haven't, I'd have to be around them a little better to perceive what exactly is going on. But I will say this, they don't miss the fastball. And I know Chad McCullough preaches that they do not miss the fastball. So maybe they're onto it and they're getting ready to see the ball and they're never late for a fastball. That might have a lot to do with it. So, I mean, that's the best thing I could see watching them play, noticing that they are ready for the fastball. Frankie, thanks for coming on today. Um, another great interview. Where, when are we going to see you in uniform again? And, and do you want to coach again? Good question. Well, we'll see next year. Yeah, I want to coach again. We'll see what happens next year. Um, see what kind of job offers are, are around and what's going on. Frank, do you use an agent for that type of stuff? Do you have somebody that's keeping stirring the pot? Yeah, you know what? I, I like to do it myself. I okay. got no problem making calls and talking to people. Right. You know, I have an agent, too. You know, he, he'll stir the pot for me. He's more of my friend than my agent. So that's how it works. Well, listen, buddy, we wish you nothing but the best. You've been a uh, very much uh, polite and a gentleman to hang with us here today with our little faux pas we had getting started. You're an illuminating guest. We love having you. And uh, can't wait to catch up during the summer for dinner uh, because you will come up with your favorite steakhouse. And I think it's going to be Peter Luger's. And that's where we're going to go. Does that make sense? Peter Luger's. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Ray, we're going to get some dates from you, Bubba, and set this you thing up. It. Yeah, I'm looking yep. forward to that a whole bunch. All right. So, Frank, uh, thanks again. Have a great week. And we look forward to having you back real soon, buddy. You got it, pal. Thank you. Take thanks, care, Coach. Guys. Bye-bye. See you, Frank. Good interview, though. With, Great interview. Uh, with, with Frank. And, yeah. Uh, so I would close these since we ran the uh, course here. Ray, what's up with the Phillies? What's your opinion? Here, buddy? Well, I said last week I'd won another week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, won each series against the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks and then the lowly uh, A's. So I'm going to say uh, I think they're – I think they're here. They're four. They finally got over, you know, that 500 hurdle. They're four games over now, and I think um, we're going to see, you know, above 500 ball from from here on out. And you got sure about leadoff, or do you have him batting uh, third, fourth? It, it don't matter what I say because he will be leadoff. Leadoff. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, Bud. You had a batting order. It was pretty cool. Pretty sexy batting order. Oh yeah, that was before before yeah. the recording. That's right. I yeah. think the batting order should be Turner optional stop oh, too. Love it. So Turner stop oh. Harper Schwarber oh, Casty. Love it. Oh. I think you could take Stott out of that and move everyone up a yeah. spot. I also think you could say, should I flip Schwarber and Casty four and five? Maybe depending on the lineup. Maybe depending on if you want to do lefty righty thing, which I think is overblown nowadays. Yeah, something like that. I'd be fine with. I think that gives. Harper a ton of protection with either guy behind him, and then either Schwarber protection for Cassidy because you don't want to walk Schwarber with a good eye and have Castellanos come up. He's hitting three fifteen this year. Right, right. That will be my, my lineup. I will never see it all year. No, um, but I that will be my lineup. Wise man speaks of Harper with three home runs only. Maybe Schwarber protected him. We see different. Who knows? But yeah, I'd still say you, you get the lineup right. And uh, yes, oh, so let's assume he hits fifty home runs, Schwarber. And let's assume that he 
does that seven times leading off, which is more than last year, right, buddy? He had 46 home runs this year, and that happened. Something. something. Yeah, I don't have the well, number. Yeah, and only two, yeah. Two, two of them mattered. So let's get, give him 50, and let's give him nine. That's a lot leading off with a home run, of which three will exponentially extend that to three mattered it win percentage impact on the game. Now let's take the same dude with 50 arm runs and put him in back of a 300 hitter in Turner, maybe more than that for the rest of the season. Cause if he ends up batting 296 from 241, he hit 330. So Turner's a 330 hitter the rest of the season. Maybe Stott, you kidding me? Showing us all he's for real. Then you put Harper and then Harper's protected by Schwarber. That's the lineup we should see. And then Schwarber's remaining home run count will have a much greater impact on the team in terms of run production. Let's set aside, Coach, your spin on it really gets into the other team's head when he's up first. And I'll tell you this much, Coach, yes or no on this answer, uh, Big Ray, you're the coach right yeah. now. When the get when the lineup rolls over against the 500 teams, and you get you get first and second, you trail one, and there's two outs. Do you want your 178 hitter up for the fifth time, or do you want Turner? You need a single. Who do you want up, Ray? Schwarber, and oh, I'll tell you, I was just going to tell you why. Kiss my I'm fat say Irish ass. Oh, yeah, go, go, Four go. times than not, they're more than one run down, number one. Yeah, number that, two, that, that. number two, genius. Yeah, don't you have some meat to sell? Just because you stopped short with Howard Eskin last week doesn't make you that king. <laughs> he pulled, hey, Chad, he pulled a, he pulled a George Costanza with the shrimp comment. <laughs> <laughs> he tells Howard... He tells Howard, and that's it, Howard. I'll see it. Hangs up on him. Howard's like, but wait, Chuck, I need an answer for my question. Yeah, Howard, and Howard goes, yeah. that's not how it works, Chuck. Howard, who has <laughs> cut me short and been rude to me all for the last four years, unmercifully, to the point where I got grandmother's true story telling my players, former players, that you got to tell Chuck that Eskin's too rude. He should allow it. All right? There's a reason we do what we do, and not too many people know it. I quite enjoy it. But you know what happens Saturday, truth be told, and God forbid I try to tell us to Eskin when the clock's running, you know he's going to cut you off at the knees, right? I had a right. high-level business contact call for the second time. What am I going to do? Sorry, Saturday's my radio show time. I'm tell that. I mean, this is on a big, big case. So he called a second time. I saw you ringing, and I'm like, hey, I can still save the call and get out of here. So he asked me something about the subway. And I, I said, I'm not focused on that. I really wasn't. I had to take that call. Now, I did text him that there's no safer place in Philadelphia if they, if they were to move the team downtown. Uh, I, there'd be no safer place in Philadelphia than the subway after a Sixers game because that's where you're going to have your police coverage, all right? You're, you you don't hear about that problem. But uh, ordinarily, no, I don't want to ride the uh, the subway and, quite frankly, don't want to be in Philadelphia at night. Uh, my wife and I have stopped going to Philadelphia, um, you know, optionally. We've we've had to go for some business the deals, uh, you know, attendance, but... Um, 
you know, if a client says, where would you like to go? We're more inclined to want to drive up to King of Prussia uh, or the mainline area than Center City, right? To tell you the truth, um, no, I'm not comfortable in Center City. So, you know, I have two answers to Howard's question. One, it'd be unbelievably safe with the police presence with the Sixers game. Other than that, no, I don't want anybody near the subway at nighttime. Imagine my daughters telling me they're going to take the subway over to Philadelphia. I would allow it. So anyway, that's that's what happened. I had a client coming in for the second time. I couldn't ignore his call, and uh, I jumped off. In retrospect, I should have answered his question, and he knows that already. Listen, anyway, I'm glad you're listening. I the other reason I want him leading off, it, it's like a big, big softball team. I want him coming back exactly in the ninth, down by two runs or three or whatever. Okay, well, three different. But go ahead, yeah. And, and, and that's what that's why he's going to get that extra AB that he that he wouldn't have gotten, and. Uh, so there you go. Okay, but I'm surprised you are a certified baseball guy. And we all know that. Those that have listened know that. And you play at a much higher level than I did. I am surprised. I'm shocked. I'm appalled. And I'm a bit apoplectic that you would say that given. You just said Turner stinks all year. What do we want? Now you want to have him hit? No, I never said he stinks, first of all. Given the fact defensively he's not having a good year. Uh, we talked about his struggles and where he should be batting during his struggles. Come on now. Uh, but you want Schwarber up, high leverage, elite lefty, relief pitcher, hater against Schwarber, the game on the line, and you want to see that against rather than Turner? Yes? Well, you didn't say hard lefty, and, you know, now you bring up the hard lefty. Well, and let, the, let me ask you something. Is it his, if the game's on the line late and the Phillies trail, it's ninth inning, he's coming up, aren't we seeing, right. the, aren't we seeing the elite lefty closer on Schwarber? You, you are. Uh, okay, I rest your honor. You Something happened oh. here to my witness. I don't know what happened to him, but it's been well, a crazy I show. I Chad had to leave. Back to back, I'm a little <laughs> delirious. Sorry, right, about that. right. I'll give you. I'll give you one back because uh, I, I, I think you're, you're all over the place on Schwarber. I'm uh, with Chuck on this one, but here's what I'll give you, Ray. Mickey Moniak is absolutely killing it this year for the it, Angels. Right? And it. don't sleep on the Angels' record. They are, I think, no. eight games over 500 yeah. no, and look no, no, for no, real yeah. right now. Hey. Listen, if trout becomes trout, you know, all right, it sounds like we're fishing season. If trout becomes trout again, all right, then you just look at his production from this point forward. Is he going to hit 181 the rest of the way? That's June, okay? And, and, and May was 210. So if that's the trout, okay, not so much. But if trout's going to return anywhere close to form with as hot as Otani is right now, and they got other guys on lineup too, yeah, they're going to they're going to be unbelievable, you know, but that's the big gift, but right now Tani looks like he's trying to carry him both ways. That's just a major thing. Rant time go whiz. Well, my my rave was on the Angels. I just right. brought it up early so I could uh throw Ray a lifeline there. Uh, yeah, yeah, he needed one. That was mine, he was, so. Help me, I'm sinking and I'm melting. How could somebody like you throw a bottle wicker the hell it was? All right. Um okay, I'm not sure that our game Went over so well with Frankie. It kind of reminded me when we had Coach Al and we did the uh, whatever the hell it was. Stump the, uh, the Coach Al. Stump, stump the something. I don't yeah. remember what it was. And that, you never heard that one what again. What was it? Uh, yeah. Sage. Stump the Sage. Stump the Sage. We probably won't have this. At one point, Frank said, guys, are you kidding me? 
Stop with this stuff. <laughs> I thought I thought steakhouse and Italian favorite Italian food restaurant would be his two favorite categories. But anyhow, how I had a, some. No, no, he said that because there's so many. Yeah, uh, Chuck, right. yeah, I got it. I got it. thanks for explaining. Yeah. So this week, I had a, a few people say that you're a trout hater and you're a shrimper hater. Here's reality, guys. We like, on far as the tre- as far as the trends go, we like to get in front of things before they happen. Not a lot of sex appeal to telling you guys a stat, you know, after it's happened, and like the whole world knows it. We are enamored by some of the things we've said on this podcast that ultimately became reality. You know, and people recall that. They recall saying Harper's going to be MVP uh, when he had 54 RBIs in early August. We hardened when it, on the trade. The Eagles 14-3. and three. We don't need to name them all. Uh, if you don't do it up front, if I had said the Eagles were going to be 14-3 and three midway through the season, it's diluted. So what? It's the tough call you make based on a smaller data field that you project for reason, for cause, that's the one you should be interested in, and that's what we did with Trout. It was really over the end of last season and the beginning of this season. 600 at bats, not a small sample size. Now, his current OPS is probably about 840. Wiz will tell me in a second. Yeah, it's around there. I don't think you'll ever again see a season, 700 bats, where he's going to have 1,000 OPS or 950. Um, I don't think you will. Because I think the last 600 at-bats and Father Time are telling us something. That does not mean I hate Trout. I Guy's a local kid. He's le- I love Trout. You know? Having to rush uh, off to work, I'm going to keep this uh, very quick. Good. We'll keep it under an uh, hour since Frank if had you to come back. Enjoy, if you want to enjoy – yeah, right? We'll yeah. never see him again. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. If, if- <laughs> you know, it's a shame. Here's what's a shame. He was so hilarious. The first, actually, 40 minutes of the first show, and we were laughing like hyenas. Really It's funny. a shame. There's great audio. Great audio. I'd love to have that audio back, but you know, it's a memory now. It's all we can do with it's it. It's a memory for us. Then Chuck didn't have the damn record button. And Chad, all of a sudden, reaches over, as kind as he is, and he's pointing with his little finger to the button. And I look at it. It's green. I go... Oh, shit. We can't get this one back. I was looking for the time, and I couldn't see it. And then yeah. I looked over, and I said, why can't I see the timer? And then right. I was like, oh, geez, see what happens? that thing I is red, doing not green. The- a thing is green. I stopped do- be red. doing the daily show. Hey, Ray, do you miss my daily show? You are I, I don't, but I didn't. Thanks. I do miss the rant that you cut me off in between. Take us out, big fella. Take us home. Go ahead. Get us out of here. Yay, people. And uh, what a please blast. like, listen, and love our show. It is the best show. And uh, if you want to watch some great baseball, watch the College World Series, please. Uh, oh, uh, LSU baseball. has two oh, pitchers. Let just baseball. say this. LSU yeah. has two pitchers. One throws 101. The other one throws 102. I got to watch yeah. the Phillies throwing. The guys throwing 91. Anyway. No, they're throwing a bullpen's throwing ninety eight. I did hear somebody said that the college pitcher, one guy, I think it was an LSU guy, and he said, If you haven't seen this kid pitch, he's yeah. a freak and you're missing something. You must be talking about a strike. You are. It's, it's insane. He's, he's, he's a freak. And uh and let me tell you, there, there's another uh, Otani. 
there's a college player with 31 home runs, led the nation, and, and also throws 99 miles an hour. So, uh, and he's Italian, wow. uh, Chuck Taglioni. So, uh, for Florida. What's more exciting, college college baseball World Series, girls softball World Series, which one's more exciting? Girls softball. Thank you. Something like it. Listen, Oklahoma, real quick before I go, Oklahoma, 52. They they went 52-1 and this year. They ended the season national champs on a 54-game winning streak. Just just imagine that. Oklahoma softball. Unbelievable. All right, Wiz, wrap it. Do what we do. Numbers, platforms. Do me a favor. Once again, tell people how to subscribe so it pops up so I don't have to keep forwarding the show. It's just you're you're clicking the podcast app, whether that's Spotify or Apple, and you're just typing in speaking of sports, then you're pressing the little plus button or the follow button or the subscribe button. There's It depends on the app you use. Apple's is a plus button. You click plus, and then every time there's a new episode, you go into your podcast app on Mondays, and you're going to see it pop up. Why the heck do I have so many people that are all smart telling me it's not popping up? They're doing something wrong. I mean, Speech I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't get notifications for the show. I can't okay. figure that out. But yeah, six zero nine eight two eight five five six nine. Hey, keep the text for a couple calls this week. Interesting stuff, and uh, we enjoy it. The show's doing well. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we want you all have a great week. Uh, thanks for listening so much, and uh, thanks Frank for coming on three times to get it right. And uh, enjoy the weather, and uh, God bless America, and we will see you this time next week. That's a wrap.